0: Uh, Well, today is uh, every year we like to take a Sunday and focus on missions. And today is Missions Sunday. And, uh, you know, last year, um, you may not have heard this, but last year New Life Church gave over $60,000 to missions. Come on, can we praise God for that? That's awesome. And every year we are seeing an increase in what is given to missions through our church. And what that means is, if you look at the back of the card that's on your chair, or on a seat near you, you'll see all of the missions efforts that this church supports on a monthly basis. Every month, we are supporting these missions financially. As you can see, it's all around the world. So all around the world, the fingerprint of New Life Church is there and how awesome that is. You also see a lot of local missions and, and how we are helping people right here in our own Kokomo and Howard County. And so today, uh, with this great focus on missions, what we're gonna do at the end of service is talk a little bit about uh, what we're, uh, how to move forward in missions and how you can participate in that. But today, I've invited my friend Zach and Shelly Maddox to come and, and share with us today. Uh, they have been missionaries in the past with Live Dead. And more recently, uh, Pastor Zach and Shelly were the lead pastors at Connection Point Church in West Lafayette, where Jenny and I planted River City's West Lafayette campus, where we've gotten to know them and, and been able to watch them from afar and hear their heart for missions. And uh, they li- I think that they lived as missionaries, as lead pastors. They really did. And it's inspiring. And, uh, and they'll tell you a little bit more about how God is now calling them back to the missions field. And they'll be preparing right now to head to Morocco, but New Life Church, will you help me welcome Zach and Shelly Maddox with me this morning?
1: Hi there. Uh, so I'm Shelly, and um, yeah, we came from West Lafayette this morning, and we've just been in prayer um, about this community and this church body, and just, um, just wanted to ask you guys a question, do you know how old this church is? Does anybody know? So 65, Mm -hmm. okay. Is anybody in this room, you've been here the entire time? Okay. So one of the things that's really been uh, powerful for Zach and I is understanding the part we get to play Mm -hmm. in God's kingdom right now. And several times in the Bible, it says this generation, this generation, right? And so we come from um, a family of believers and we feel like our grandparents did a really good job of reaching their generation and our parents did a really good job of trying to reach their generation and now we find ourselves in a place of saying god we want to reach this generation and we have teenagers and we're now helping our teenagers say how is god leading you to reach your generation and so just thinking about this church and this building and you may be here for the very first time, and that's wonderful because it's not an accident. Some of you may have been here for a lot of years and some sixty-five years. Mm-hmm. And so we stand on the shoulders of other faith-filled people who prayed, who obeyed the Lord, and who just did their part to reach that generation. And I just want to encourage you, even though we're talking about going to reach Morocco, which we're not going to do on our own, right? And even with the Holy Spirit, we're not going to do that on our own. It takes a group of people. And you're here together, and God has tasked you to live here in Kokomo and to reach people here in Kokomo, this generation where you are, places where Devin and Ginny will not go. There are people they will not meet, there are people they cannot reach, but you meet these people and you can reach these people. So on this kind of a Sunday, it's a good shot in the arm to say, yes, we're gonna go to Morocco. We honor your pastors who are here to help you grow and how you get to reach people around you Mm -hmm. because God brought you here for a reason. Mm -hmm. And this church is here as an example of others who prayed, who obeyed, who gave, who had a heart for this area and built a church to say we represent Jesus for that generation, right? But God means to renew and restore and be life-giving to this generation. So think right now of all the people in Kokomo doing all kinds of activities and they're not taking this moment right now to say Jesus is on the throne. He is the King of Kings. He is the Lord of Lords. Mm -hmm. He's the Alpha and Omega beginning and the end and we're not to the end yet. Mm -hmm. And I just want to encourage you that God invites all of us and Zach's going to talk about that today. So this is your shot in the arm today to say how is God speaking to you specifically about right here where you are? And if you feel like the Holy Spirit is saying you can go further from home, then we'd love for you to talk to us and we'd love to tell you how to do that. We're not special. We just try to be obedient. Yeah. And so we'd love to help you follow the Lord in that as well. So our journey is Before kind you of unique. Before get into that, can, yeah. I, can I
2: add on that and piggyback on that. So again this is something Lord speaking to your heart in, in worship. But can I just speak over your body that if you embrace the understanding that we all are called to be disciple makers, and what Shelly's talking about as it relates to Pastor Devin and Jenny, the network of people you know in Kokomo, when you think about just you in this room, how many understand that's vast? The people in your neighborhoods, the people in your workplaces, the people in your, your hobbies and whatever those might be, the ability for this church to make a difference in Kokomo is astounding. How many know that? So I just want to speak that over you this morning, and, and if you embrace that understanding of who you are as a child of God and what He's given you, that the same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. You know what? Your neighborhood needs that Spirit. How many know that? Your workplace needs that Spirit. How many know that? Like, I can tell you right now, we're living in very anxious days, but how many know that we serve a non-anxious God? Amen. Amen. And so then we get the opportunity to live that out. And, and I want to say, if you can embrace that as a child of God, I firmly believe the greatest days for this church are ahead of it. Yep. Can somebody say amen? Yep. amen? The greatest days of this church are yet ahead of it if you embrace your ability to be a non-anxious presence in the world in which we live. So I just want to speak that over you. That has nothing to do with the message we're talking about this morning. That's just, that's just bonus. <laughs> <laughs> and, and honestly... our time of worship and prayer, there is a sweet spirit in this house. That's Jesus. That's Jesus in you. So I just want you to know, I think God wants to do some great things through you, and I just want you to embrace that this morning. Sorry, I totally interrupted you, because I know you're going to start talking about missions.
1: (laughs) That's okay. So we'll just want to give you a quick little snapshot of where we've been. So Zach and I went to Southeastern University. Uh, We started out as education majors. I taught kindergarten and first grade, and Zach taught high school math we always knew god wanted us to be in missions but we just felt like the lord would open a door Mm -hmm. uh, through education for us to get into a country where really a missionary can't go but a teacher can go and that's exactly what happened we were just faithfully working trying to pay off school bills and then we had an invitation to come and work at a school in khartoum sudan and so that was our first step we went to khartoum we served sudanese muslim families through our school nile valley academy and then we transitioned from there, went to another school in Jerusalem serving Palestinian Muslim families, and just the same way, sharing our story, sharing our faith through our testimony in people's homes and just journeying life with them, Um, just like you, as a neighbor, as a teacher, as a friend, and just really being able to see some amazing things happen in the West Bank and seeing the church established. uh,
2: I'm going to pause you there. We're going to show you some fun pictures. So here's our kids. Our two oldest are at PK camp. Uh, Nate and Haley. Nate's huge. I think he might be as tall as me now. I'm having to stand very tall and straight, (laughs) you know, because, you you know, he's going to probably outgrow me. Go to the next slide, though. We'll show you pictures of our kids. That was Nate when we went to Sudan. Mm -hmm. He was one. Uh, so that's uh, us there on the left, and then our, our family grew. So on the right, that's us in Jerusalem. We're sitting on the South Steps. Uh, cool stuff there. But anyway, just want to kind of show you that, that progression of things. Next slide. Shelley's going to talk about this here in a minute. We became Boilermakers. Hey, we're good missionaries. Wherever you go, just adopt, you know, adopt the people wherever you're going. We weren't Boilermakers before, but we are now, so you want to talk a bit about that?
1: Yeah, so after Jerusalem, we transitioned to be pastors yeah. at... Um, connection point church following ted breast who was there 17 years and it's not easy to follow somebody who's been in one place for a very long time but by the grace of god we did it <laughs> so yeah anyway we have a very high regard of pastors so we honor your pastors for serving in the way that they serve every single day how many are glad for your pastors this morning yeah. So now we're transitioning from Connection Point to Morocco. And this is our family standing in front of the church. Um, It's an international church in Casablanca. And we'll be joining that congregation very soon and serving um, the Morocco church, serving the house church pastors. There's just a baby, baby church forming right now. It's just a house church movement. And we are just really excited to come alongside pastors and pastor's wives, discipling them as they reach out and start this new church. Persecution is a real thing. You face it here. They face it there in Morocco as well, being disowned by their family or worse. And so it really is a privilege to go and serve the Lord in difficult places to just say, God, what can we do? How can we come alongside and how can we build your church? And so we feel like we're joining with you. And linking arms with you in your endeavor to reach Kokomo, and we get to be a part of you. We get to be an extension of you as you join us in what we're doing in Morocco. You, it's a both and. We lift up what you're doing here, and we thank you so much for praying for us as we go yeah. to reach Morocco. That's
2: great. Thanks, Joe. But you know, we've talked about missions is for our family. But but I also want to say this this morning: missions is for our family, right? Missions is for our family. Why? Because we serve a missionary God who sent us his missionary son who now empowers his missionary church with his missionary spirit. Like that's the theme of scripture and the promise of scripture is that he gives us his presence to do it. The low I'm with you always, but the context of the low I'm with you always is as you go and make disciples of all nations. So I just want to speak over us that missions is for us all today we just have to determine what our part is. The Moravian Mission Movement, uh, 1700s, was the, the, the largest evangelical missions movement in our day. And, and the reason that they became the largest missions movement in what was really modern missions history is because they all made this commitment that, number one, that missions movement came out of a prayer meeting. How many know good things come out of prayer meetings? They do. And so I pray that you are a praying church, because good things come out of prayer meetings. And and so this missions movement comes out of this prayer meeting, and they were so committed to the Great Commission that we all are responsible to make disciples of all nations. But we realize we can't all go. But here's what we commit to, that for every one that goes, eight will stay behind, sacrificially live, and send. That's a great model that as we were, there's a place for going and sending in missions, and you just have to determine what God is asking you to do. But what I want to do this morning is, is talk about the opportunity we have to be a part of what God is doing among the nations, and how God blesses us to be a blessing to the nations. How many here this morning realize we are blessed? Even if you're facing hardships today, we are blessed. We've lived in different parts and places in this world, like Sudan and East Jerusalem, West Bank. And and I can tell you, ladies and gentlemen, we're blessed. If for no other reason than we know who Jesus is, we are blessed. And so then we have to take that blessing of knowing who Jesus is and take that blessing to the nations. And and there's a great psalm, Psalm 67, that talks about this. So if you have your Bible, and I hope you do, I'm going to invite you to turn with me to Psalm 67 this morning. And I didn't pre-market, so that means I'm giving you time to find it too. Psalm 67. Here's what the psalm says. May God be gracious to us and bless us, and make His face to shine upon us, that Your way may be known on earth, Your saving power among all nations. Let the peoples praise You, O God. Let all the peoples praise You. Let the nations be glad and sing for joy, for You judge the peoples with equity and guide the nations upon earth. Let the peoples praise you, O God. Let all the peoples praise you. The earth has yielded its increase. God, our God, shall bless us. God shall bless us. Let all the ends of the earth fear him. Amen. May that be. You know, a psalm book is, is a, it's a prayer book. It's a song book. And, and so what we find in this scripture is simply a, a thread that we find in scripture that we have been blessed for the sake of the nations. That, that basically there's this verse in Genesis that God says to Abraham, I will make of you a blessing, that you will be a blessing to the nations, that he who blesses you I will bless, he who curses you I will curse, but through you all the nations of the earth will be blessed. This is in Genesis chapter 12. And so what the psalmist does is he just takes that Old Testament promise and he puts it into a prayer, he puts it into a psalm, and he says, God, may you bless us that we might be a blessing to the nations. And what we know is, is we have been blessed. And so then the question is: well, how can we be a blessing to the nations? But there's this interesting transaction that takes place that as churches, as people commit themselves to be a blessing to the nations, as they commit themselves to reached unreached people groups, then God in turn continues to bless those people and churches so they can be a greater blessing to the nations and to those who don't know who he is. What I like to be careful of in this exchange is it's not that we try to earn the blessings of God. How many know we don't earn the blessings of God? God just gives it. He just gives it. But what I do know is this, is that God is a God of the nations. We see that in the Old Testament. We see that in the New Testament. And so then there's this river of blessing that's flowing out to the nations, and God gives us this invitation to jump in and and swim and be a part of this river that's flowing to the nations. So what I want to encourage us this morning is to say we should jump in. As a family, we've jumped into this river of blessing. Now maybe some of you are nervous this morning. You're like, I don't know how to swim. You know what? We give out floaties. We're happy to help you learn how to swim. We would just say we shouldn't stand on the banks looking at the river. We should dive into the river of blessing flowing out to the nations and be a part. And it's just a matter of how does God want you to be a part? So what I want to do this morning to help kind of walk through this psalm is, is simply give the example of our family and how we've experienced the blessings of the Lord as we've said yes to Jesus to be a blessing to the nations. I could talk about Connection Point Church and what God did there the last six years and, and Him pouring out His blessings upon that congregation and for us to be able to extend our reach among the nations. I could talk about the Assemblies of God. You know, the Assemblies of God in the early 1900s was started as a missions movement. And it is by no mistake that this mission's movement, the Assemblies of God that we're all a part of, in a hundred years went from zero people to 67 million in the world. How many think that's a testimony of what only God can do? That's a supernatural thing. That's a supernatural move of God because they were committed to reaching the nations. But as it relates to our family, what, what we've seen in our family this is very personal to us, is that we've been blessed according to those three Christian virtues of faith and hope and love. And I firmly believe that God wants us all to experience those blessings by being a blessing to the nations. As Shelly and I committed ourselves to, to blessing the nations, we've seen a tremendous increase in blessing and faith. So Shelly and I, we, we landed with Nate, who was one years old. You saw the picture. We landed in Khartoum, Sudan on Christmas Eve 2007 Woke up the next morning. It was christmas day We opened a couple of presents we brought with us and and then we went for a drive to just kind of spy out the land You know where had god brought us we had never visited sudan and and uh, sudan's an interesting place It was desert It was hot It was dust in the air All of their houses for whatever reason are painted brown. I don't understand it why, when you live in the desert, do you want to paint everything? There's no color. Like, we kind of joked, the, uh, the national flower was the plastic bag. That would find a thorn bush, and that's the only color you'd see in the landscape. So Sudan was an interesting place. We'd been there a couple of months, and we were driving in our Speed the Light truck. Uh, is there any youth in here that do Speed the Light? Speed of the Light, if you don't know what that is, it's basically the youth raises money to su- supply vehicles for missionaries on the field. So if you've been a part of that in any way, I want to say thank you. Uh, we've been blessed by that ministry. And, and so Speed of the Light, they bought us a Toyota, four by four, Hilux, bull bar in the front, like this was a nice truck. And we're flying down the road. And, and I want to take a poll this morning. If, if you're driving on a two-lane paved road, and there's a two-lane dirt road that crosses it. Let me ask you this morning. Which one has the right of way? How many would say paved road? I'm saying paved road. How many think dirt road? Okay, you've got to vote this morning. There was like five hands raised. How many think paved road? Come on, take a vote this morning. How many think dirt road? We got a couple because some people are realizing there's, there's got to be some kind of trick to this. Okay, so the rule in Sudan is who's ever traveling north has right away. Okay, for all those directionally challenged people in the room, north can be a hard thing to find, right? I do want to go ahead and say here, one of the first things I bought after what happened is a compass that I sat on my dash. I learned very quickly. So the right-of-way is whoever's traveling north. Well, wouldn't you know, the guy on the dirt road had a right-of-way. I didn't know that, so I'm just going through the intersection. This guy blitzes the front of my truck, and, of course, I've got a bull bar, so his truck's not doing well. Mine's doing okay. But what we had to do is when you get in a car accident, you go to the police station, you fill out reports, and, and if you're not as soon as he's national, I was not, somebody has to come and sign to say they'll cover the cost of repairs if, if you know, for some reason I hop out of the country or something. So basically what happened is, I couldn't go anywhere, I got to spend a day in a Sudanese jail. How many would aspire to spend a day in a Sudanese jail? I don't recommend it. But you know, Arab hospitality is incredible, they didn't want to put me in a jail cell, they felt like that was offensive, so they just sat me behind the policeman's desk, served me tea, and just said I couldn't go anywhere. So it was kind of an interesting jail setting. I did get released at night, but like I live in this environment where it's hot, We have water sometimes, electricity sometimes. Uh, We're we're experiencing spiritual warfare, you know, because of the environment that we're in. And so several months in, I'm driving down the road, coming on my way home. I'm on my motorcycle this time, and, and I drive by a shell station. And wouldn't you know it, the S, the lights were out. And I thought, you know what? That's the most appropriate sign I've seen since I've lived here. I feel like I'm living in the worst place known to man. <laughs> it was a difficult, difficult environment. But you know, when you're in those environments, what you quickly begin to learn, every morning I would wake up, and I'd just get on my knees before Jesus. Because I needed Jesus before I started my day. And I just, I don't know how many have grown up in the church, but I tell you what, I still value my Sunday night prayer meetings. Because you want to know the songs that came to my heart? those songs where you just sing, turn your eyes upon Jesus. How many know this song? Look full in His wonderful face and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. And I tell you what, there might be people in this room this morning, maybe you're walking through some tough stuff. If I were to go and have opportunity to talk with you, I know I'd find you. And I want to encourage you this morning, Jesus is growing your faith right now. Jesus is growing your faith, and he has a wonderful way of bringing us back into his fellowship and in deeper ways than we probably ever knew before. And so as we engaged in missions, yes, we faced hardship, But I also want to say, it's through that hardship that he grew our faith and he rooted us in who Jesus is. That we understand, if I have Jesus, I have everything. If we have Jesus, we have everything. We don't need anything else. And so I just want to encourage you this morning, as you engage in missions, as you walk through life, you're going to face hardships, but he grows our faith and helps us to understand who he is But what I also found is Jesus doesn't just grow our faith through hardship. He grows our faith through mighty moves of God. How many would like to see a mighty move of God here? I believe God wants to do a revival in our world today because we're living in a difficult time. But here's what I know. If you study revival history, revival happens in the anxious times in the world. And so we're living in that time. So I believe there's a seedbed right now for revival. So we should be praying for that because I think that's what God wants to do. While we were living in Jerusalem, Shelley mentioned it, but we were there in the summer before we came back to, uh, to the U.S. And, and wound up in West Lafayette. 2014, one of the, the believers that we were working with there, and who had been worked with, for, with a guy, our mentor, who'd been there 30 years, he uh, got trained in, in disciple-making movements, and so then he began to make intense efforts toward evangelism, and, and he and his wife, uh, Muslim background believers, wound up baptizing 12 people former Muslims, now followers of Jesus, that summer, which is incredible. Incredible for 12 people in the Muslim world to say yes to Jesus because their decision comes at a high cost. So we were excited to say, God, what are you doing? And so then as that movement continued through the fall by Christmas, there was 300 believers, people that had said out of those 12, now we want to follow Jesus and devote our lives to him. That's a mighty move of God in the Muslim world from 12 to 306 months' time. But we were believing God for more, so by the time we were coming back in the summer and preparing to still go back to Jerusalem to work with this movement, not only had it been 12 to 300, but there was a 1,000 former Muslims now following Jesus, deeply devoted to Him. How many can say amen? Thank you, Jesus. So God allowed us to see not only can He grow our faith through hardships, He can grow our faith as we get to watch and be on the front row of a mighty move of God. And by the time we were coming to Connection Point Church in in November of 2015, I got together with our mentor uh, before we went to the church, and and I asked, where are things at? How are things going? And he said, you know, Zach, it's incredible. He said, today there are over 4,000 believers in a house church in every village of the West Bank. God is moving in the Muslim world. Can we say amen?" amen? Thank you, Jesus. So I want you to know as you engage in missions and we step in the river of blessing flowing to the nations, He will grow our faith. And I would say faith is the greatest of all blessings because it carries us through life in extraordinary ways. But not only does he bless us in faith, he blesses us in hope. Hope. Hope is a a thing that helps. And and sometimes that is in provision. So when we came back from Sudan, we had a a little bit of an opportunity to uh, do some some dental work, but not much. So when we came back to the U.S. from our time in Sudan, we we went to the dentist and and had some work done. And and the bill came to $786 dollars. And I remember that number. Yeah, that's a, it was a lot of money, especially for a missionary. You don't get paid a whole lot. So we were like, woo! So we started making monthly payments, and, and God was helping us that way. But then within a couple of months, we got a letter in the mail, and enclosed was a check. And they said, for whatever reason, we were praying for you and just felt like that, that we wanted to send this to you and, and use it for whatever you need. And the check was $790. Now, who sends a check for $790? God does, right? God knows our needs. So as I talk about blessing, I never limit it to financial blessings because that's such a small box, right? What a small box to put God in. But God does bless and take care of us. He says that he'll take care of the sparrow. How much more will he take care of us than he does? So as we we have engaged in missions, we've seen a blessing in faith and in hope. But we've also been blessed with love and increasing love. And, And that by way of our three children. When Shelly and I got married, we, we didn't realize, you know, we, we were teaching, and so we thought we'd wait a couple of years to have kids, and, but then within a couple of years, we thought, well, we'd like to start a family, and, and uh, we didn't know we weren't in control of that. And so as we were starting to, to, to try to start having a family, we realized that's not happening, so we went to go visit with doctors and realized there were some, some issues for us. So Shelly started doing temperature charts. We were walking through infertility. Uh, if that's a bit of your journey with Jesus, it's it's hard. It's hard to walk through that. And But then within a couple of months, the doctor gave Shelly some medicine to start taking, and so she took that, and and she wound up getting pregnant, and we were so happy. But then two months later, Shelly miscarried, and we were devastated. So it's like there's a hope, and then there's a loss, and you have to grieve that. And, and so we went to the doctor, and the doctor said, you know what? Just continue with that path, and let's see what happens. And and so then within a couple of months, Shelly continues to take the medicine. She becomes pregnant with our son Nathaniel, whose name means gift from God. What an incredible gift he's been to our family. We're so grateful for Nate. And it's, it's, I don't think it's a coincidence that it was the year we said yes to Jesus, we're on itineration to go to Sudan, the year that we say we're going to go bless the nations, God blesses us with the son Nathaniel. Now again, I don't understand it. We don't earn the blessings of the Lord, I'm just saying there's something about us jumping into the river of blessing. We just don't know in what ways God's going to bless our life. And so that's why I encourage us all to jump into that river. Because God wants to bless us, but that blessing comes with an understanding that it's meant to be a blessing to the nations. And how many know that our three kids, Nate, Haley, and Lucas, will be a blessing to Moroccans as we show up in Morocco? They'll reach age groups we would never be able to reach. So God pays that blessing forward. That's just what he does. So then we go to Jerusalem. We're in Jerusalem for um, before we get to Jerusalem. So while we're in Sudan, so we're in Sudan. So Shelly, uh, we have Nathaniel. He's one. We're in Sudan. We take that medicine with us. We thought we found the solution for how we can have kids. So Shelly starts taking the medicine, but the thing is, is it increases your hormone levels. And, and what we found is increasing hormone levels in a very stressful environment maybe not a good idea. So we talked to some friends, and we're like, this is what we're facing. And so our medical friend said, I'll be honest, you need to flush the stuff down the toilet. You don't want it to drive you to a place, where to an unhealthy place, just for the sake of having kids. And, and as hard as it was to do, we put the pills in the toilet, and we just said, God, we trust you. And several months later, without the aid of medicine, Shelly becomes pregnant with Haley, whose name means unexpected gift. And what an unexpected gift she was. We're so thankful for Haley. And what the doctors said, impossible without medicine, God made possible. How many are glad we serve the God of the impossible? That's who he is. That's what he does. And so realizing at this point, we really have no control. But I also want to say this. How many are glad God's in control when the world seems like it's not in control? How many are glad Jesus is on the throne I want him in control, but sometimes we like to take control, right? But we need to live like this in the kingdom of God. And so then as we came back to the U.S. and Haley was born, we went back to overseas, went to Jerusalem, and, and we just were continuing to trust God with who he wanted in our family. And, and within about a year of our time in Jerusalem, Shelley became pregnant with Lucas. And Lucas, his name means bringer of light. And we named him that because we know that in the course of being engaged in missions, God had brought such light into our family's life that there's no better name we could give but Lucas. Lucas was born in Jerusalem, so he's our best Jerusalem uh, piece that we brought back with us. What do we call those? Souvenir. What a souvenir, right? <laughs> no better souvenir than to bring a kid back from Jerusalem. So he was born in Jerusalem. The nurses announces, Mazel tov, uh, yeah, uh, ben tov le Yerushalayim, which means congratulations, you now have a good son of Jerusalem. And what a good son he is. He's in your kids program this morning. So as we've engaged in missions, I just want to encourage you this morning. We've been blessed with faith and hope and love. And I would hope that you would want to see those blessings too. And so then the question is, well, how do you jump into the river of blessing that's flowing out to the nations? And I think there's three very practical ways. Number one, join us in prayer. Be in prayer for the nations. You can pray for our family. We've got prayer cards in the back. And you can pick one of those up to, be, uh, to remind you to pray. I, I like to tell people, put it on your fridge or put it in your Bible. Whichever one you open the most, I'll let you determine which one that is. <laughs> or take two, it's all right. Put one on your fridge, put one in your Bible. Pray for it in both places. We just want to encourage you, pray for the nations. That's very important. And I want to say this about Morocco, 37 million people, only a few thousand believers. And the roots of their religion is not Islam, it's witchcraft. So how many know nothing's going to happen in that nation without prayer? So we need your prayers. I I don't take that lightly. But I also want to say every place that we go, we pray and ask the Lord for one to come with us. So I don't know what God is saying to your heart this morning, but if God is speaking to your heart about nations and going, can you come talk to us? We'd love for you to come and be a part of being a blessing to the nations. And the last thing that I'll mention is through giving giving and and pastor devin already mentioned faith promise cards so i want you to pick that up this morning it should have been on your seat we want to talk and just take a couple of minutes on faith promise cards about what this is and how you can give to be a part of financing god's kingdom growth because that's what a faith promise card is so a faith promise it's financing god's kingdom expansion but before i more fully explain what this is let me talk about the world just briefly today The world population is 7.7 billion people. That's a lot of people. Approximately one-third of the world claim to know Christ. But what that means is 5 billion people have yet to say yes to Jesus. How many think we've got a job to do as the church? And it's for all of us to do. Now let's look further. 75% of our world lives at poverty level or below. And so let's bring that home this morning. In financial terms, if you earn $10,000 a year, you're in the top 15% of wage earners in the world. Isn't that crazy? If you have in your household average annual salary $50,000, if that's what your household brings in, you're in the top 1% of wage earners in the world. So this, I bring this up because when I talk about that we've been blessed to be a blessing, some of you might feel like, well, I'm not really blessed, but I want to say, if you're living in this country, you're blessed. You're blessed. And we can't ever lose sight of that. So that's why I spoke from you, because I want us to be remember, remember that we've been blessed to be a blessing now. Now, not only have we been blessed to be a blessing, but I also want to say this. We've been commanded to reach the lost and help the poor. It's part of who we are as the family of God. We are both Great commissioned Christians and a Great commissioned Church. Don't you want New Life Church to be a Great commissioned Church? And thank the Lord you are! Sixty thousand dollars last year. Can we celebrate that this morning? Thank you, Lord. You are a great commission church, and so here's how this works: churches partner with missionaries. They go. Churches pray for them and they fund them, and that there's a place in going and sending to missions. I already shared that, and there are different ways to give. So there's emotional giving, you know, convoy of hope, opportunities of of hardships in the world. We give to that. There's token giving. You know, Salvation Army ringing the bells at Christmas time, maybe you give to that. There's obedient giving, that's the tithe. Can I say that's the floor of New Testament giving? Like, that's just the basics. But then there's this what we call supernatural giving, and that's where faith promises come in. Faith promises are saying, God, more than what I can do, what do you want to do through me? That's what a faith promise is it's a heavenly way to finance an earthly task, it's an agreement between you and God. This really isn't an agreement between you and the church. I talked with Pastor Devin about this this past week. It's it's really an agreement. This paper is for you to say, God, what do you want me to do? This is my agreement with you. It's not based on your resources, but on God's resources. That's a big difference. It's not your tithe. It's not a pledge. It's a promise, a faith promise. It's an opportunity for you to give not only according to your ability, but actually beyond your ability. We see this. Paul writes... The Corinthian church in 2 Corinthians 8 3. And here's what he says to this Corinthian church about the Macedonian believers. He said, They gave according to their means, that's the tithe, as I can testify, and beyond their means of their own free will. Well, how do we do that? We give beyond our means through faith promise as part of God's stretching program. So we're going to encourage you to pray over these faith promises in a minute, but what I always like to encourage people to do is pray for something, and if it doesn't scare you a little bit, it's probably not from God. I really believe that. If it doesn't say, ooh, I don't know, then maybe if it's too comfortable for you, then it's probably not something God's given to you and that he then wants to determine to give through you. Now maybe you're wondering, well, what should my faith promise look like? I think it should be at least as important as your pets or cable TV or a Starbucks habit, right? I was watching a missions video. It bothered me. It said Americans spend more on Halloween costumes for their pets than on missions to unreached people groups. Lord help us, right? We can do better than that. So I want to encourage you. Think about what you're doing in the way of spending on those three things. Pets, cable TV, and Starbucks. I think it's as important as that. But I do know this in the end God will speak to your heart about how much to give and it's simply following his leading Ask the Lord through his spirit to speak and then follow that Well, how do you give your faith promise? You can give it in the regular sunday offering. You simply mark missions I know that pastor devin will give some instruction on that and, you know, some people will likely give as a part of their salary as they feel like they want to give over and above But others will give as god provides and this is how I was introduced to faith promise. So my dad is a pastor and, and he shared faith promise with me. And he shared how a mission speaker came and challenged him in giving early in life. And and so he didn't really have anything. They were living on very little. And so he said, Well, God, as I can give, I'd like to give at least fifty dollars a month. He didn't have it. it, wasn't in their budget, it was over and above. And, and so he said, Well, God, show me. And so my dad was reading the paper and he saw that. The funeral home was looking for vocalists for funerals, and he said, you know what, I think I could do that. And so he signed up to do that, and they paid $50 every time that he sang. And wouldn't you know, every month, God made a way for him to sing at a funeral, and he gave to missions. Now I'll be honest, as a kid, that bothered me a little bit, that story. Because I'm like, Dad, does that mean God has taken people out to fulfill your missions pledge? He assured me that was not the case. He just asked, Lord, if someone passes, may they pick me to be their vocalist, and they did. God will provide. He really will. And so I just want to encourage everyone this morning to participate in a faith promise. Here's the goal. 100% participation. I think more than a dollar figure, it's better to say, couldn't we all do something for missions? Couldn't we all do something for missions? So I just want to put that challenge to you today. Couldn't we all do something for the sake of those that haven't heard? I think we can. No amount is too small or too great for God to use to grow his kingdom. Take part in some way. Consider this this morning. Who will be in heaven because you committed yourself to faith promise this year? Who will be there? Who will be there to say thank you to you because you gave this year? I think we should put faces to that. Who from Jordan, Morocco, China, Israel, Kenya, who from Russia will greet you in eternity and say, Thanks for helping me get here. I think that we'll know. So I, I mentioned that the world population is 7.7 billion people, and, and Shelley and I I'm going to close with this. We were in the Rift mountains in northern Morocco last summer. I think I've got a picture for that. And so we went hiking into this part where there's an unreached people group there of the Berber tribe. Over a million people in this tribe, no Christians, no churches. So we were hiking in these rift mountains. And as we were hiking, I didn't find any Christians. I didn't find any churches. But you know what I did find? Coke! And I'll be honest, after nine miles of hiking, I was really glad that Coke was there. But I also want to say this. It bothered me, too. It bothered me. Because how is it that in 130 years, for profit's sake, Moroccans can have access to Coke? But in 2,000 years, for the glory of God, they don't have access to the gospel. That bothers me. And I hope it bothers you. So I encourage you, jump into the river of blessing that's flowing out to the nations. Allow God to grow your faith, hope, and love. Can I pray with you this morning? Dear Jesus, we just thank you that you allow us to go and be a blessing to the nations. And so God, I pray for each and every one in this room today. I pray that they would hear from you from heaven to know what you're asking them to do by way of prayer, by way of faith promise, by way of coming with us, Lord Jesus. And I just pray that we would have obedient hearts to respond to what it is You're asking us to do. Lord Jesus, I just pray a blessing upon this congregation as they commit themselves to You and to the evangelization of the world. Jesus, I pray that You would continue to bless them in this community in which they live. May You bless them with a heart for the nations. And God, I just pray that You would grow their faith. I pray that You would provide them with profound hope And Lord, that you would grow their love for each other, for you, Jesus, and for the lost. And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.